Yellows the way it is. Now I'm joined in studio by Mary Crow, and Mary is from St Mullins. And Mary, great, great to meet you. First time meeting you. Thanks, Sue. Lovely to be here. And just go into the so that we don't have more problems with microphones. Talk into the front of it, okay? Um, listen to me. Um, you're from St Mullins. You're you have been a journalist. And speaking of Canada, you've worked in Canada as a journalist and elsewhere as well. Is that right? That's right, Sue. Yeah. And uh, following on from Robbie there, I was just down in Kettler's Inn watching the match, and it's just fantastic that people are watching women's football and the guys are getting behind it and rooting for it. When I was a kid in school, uh, me and, and one of my best friends, we put our name down on the boys' team in, in Boris Vocational School to play on the soccer, and it was unheard of then. And we were waiting for the teachers to challenge us but I was on one team she was on the other her team won my team uh, drew and uh, we were second and I still have the little medal I got and I, tre- on you. I cherish oh it oh my goodness yeah. and so you've you've been following this team I have ha- well uh, yeah I, I watched uh, a bit of the other match I get too caught up in the excitement and I wanted to see <laughs> a bit of this match obviously because I, I lived in Canada I was thinking now which side will I pay will I shout for but when I was sitting down yeah it was Ireland and were there many people watching them oh, watching yeah. Kittlers were yeah they? it was a great atmosphere with loads of people locals, tourists people having their lunch uh, everyone gathered around the television screens and to be fair to Kittlers they had about four televisions on it was fantastic oh great so listen you left the area then Mullins St Mullins County Carlow at, at mm-hmm. what stage to go off and well, I went to university. Find your future. Yeah, I went to university in Dublin and uh, we're talking back in the 80s now. I won't reveal my age, but uh, everybody was leaving then after college. I came out of college on a high with a master's from Trinity and there was nothing. So uh, I went to London, uh, worked my time there in various office jobs and I blagged my way into a job on a newspaper and uh, absolutely loved it. I worked my way up there through news editor, arts editor, acting editor, you name it, um, on a community paper and did that for a while. Loved it. And after that, then um, I went to Canada and I did more work, freelance work over there and I got a job in a local community paper as well. So it's it's taken me around the world, really. OK, so you've taken up now a different kind of writing. And in front of me, I have a really pretty uh, book cover, the cover of your children's book, which is just hot off the presses. And it's called Ross Brook, Aoife O'Connor and the Badgers Wood. Why a children's story? And have you written children's stories before, Mary? No, I haven't written children's stories. I've written stage plays and screenplays and I've done a lot of training in in writing. But the reason I decided to do a children's book was um, a good few years ago, uh, I went to a talk on St. Moling and St. Mullins and I said to one of the people afterwards, I said, cheapers. Sure, I could do a talk and give you more information than that, not to put them down. <laughs> and I'm a very shy pe- person publicly. But uh, anyway, I kind of, Anne Doyle from the Heritage Centre took me up and she says, right, come on down and do a talk for us. So I did. And I, there was great feedback from it. And I thought to myself, the Heritage Centre, I'm very fond of it. Um, and St Mullins is a, an amazing, Beautiful an amazing place. centre. Like we punched way above our weight mm. back in the 7th century. We're up mm. there with Clon McNoise. St Mowling is one of the four great prophets of Ireland. He was up there with Patrick Bridget and Colm Kill at the time. It's just that a lot of his um, books and miracles about him, they were lost through all the raids and everything. Anyway, so I said I'd put together a little historical booklet um, on St Mullins just to have 
you know, six or ten pages. So I started on that because nothing has been done since Patrick O'Leary, he wrote A Local History of St Mullins, Mullins and the Life of Mowling in 1913. You know, he'd be from the great O'Leary family there. He'd be what a grandfather, granduncle, or of Olivia's probably. I'd say, would he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote a number of books, but his book, of course, it's out of print now. So, and I had a copy of that, and I thought I'd, uh, you know, bring it up today. So, I did a bit of research, and it was so little what I could find, like solid facts. I said, right, hmm, what am I going to do? So I decided to write a children's book. Because when you write a children's book, you can be a bit loose with history, even though at the time I would imagine in the early 7th century, they weren't, you know, pretty strict on their dates and everything. So I could weave in and out various figures or events that I wanted to put in the book that maybe were 50 years, 100 years round about the same time so uh, but then the book took on a life of its own the characters in it took on a life of, of their own so I didn't really need to put any of the the background history because I did loads of research there's a huge amount I thought there'd be very little but um, there are 10,000 documents in the Royal Irish Academy alone in Dublin and they've been catalogued in three volumes but they haven't been translated or anything like that so there's amazing research to be so done so they're what in the Latin still in Latin or Old Irish yeah, yeah and the, the British Library has some Oxford has some Trinity has a lot Trinity has the Book of Moling it's right there beside the, the Book of Kells for anyone who wants to go and see it Tell Before we go into your children's book tell us a small bit about Moling I'd be interested as well because I have St Moling's well up um, up the Aragal Valley where I live Oh, and he's associated with that too I don't know That's not near Temple Moling is it? No Temple Moling. I've been to Temple Moling. It's an amazing site. It's on the top of a hill. There's nothing there but a stone altar now. There are a few sites around the place. Yeah. To St. Moling. This is the well. This is another well because there's yeah. a well in St. Mullins. No, I wasn't aware of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he did travel a lot. Um, he was born in Kerry and then uh, he was found. Well, it's a long story about his birth, but um, he ended up coming up towards uh, our way, as I say, in St. Mullins. He came through Cashel. He studied in, Clun- in Glendalough, sorry, it was at Clonmacnoise. And then um, he settled in a few places, but an an- angels kept coming to say, nope, this is not it, nope, this is not it, until he landed in St. Mullins. And that was the place he was supposed to be. And before St. Molin came to St. Mullins, which incidentally was known as Rossbrook, which is the title of the book. Um, Rossbrook means the, um, the wood of the badgers. And there's a badger in the story. But before he ended up at Rossbrook, um, St. Brendan had been there. And he wanted, he, he started building and he had a hearthstone built and he, had, he lit a fire and the angels came and said, no, this is not for you. This is for someone who will be born in 30 years time. So it was foretold that Moling was going to be there. And you grew up there? I grew up in the parish, yeah. And how aware of Moling and, you know, there's the monastery and the graveyard and there there are people from 1798 buried there as well, aren't there? There are, there are a lot graveyard. of those green plaques are there for mm. the people of 1798. General Cloney, um, he'd be a relation of mine too, he's buried there. Uh, he was the leader of the rebels in 1798, he's buried there. And the MacMorrick Cavanis, of course, have, yeah. a, have a, a connection. And were you conscious of all of that as a child growing up? would be I think you know our, our uh, primary school teacher would have been well versed in history and he loved the Irish language and songs and stuff and uh, old poetry and things he taught us a lot of things like that so I suppose we took it for granted you know when you grow up there and we went to the pattern and the pattern was a big deal yeah. it's a big deal in the book for the girl Aoife because when we were little like the swinging boats were there the ice cream vans were there it was a giant playground you know and, and there was nothing like that in Northern and Ireland and it's a remarkable sight isn't it it is the 
with the, yeah. the, the, the hill in the middle and the moat, the, yeah. The moat and or the moss and and yeah. the, the river and the trees. The river down below. But if you go up on the top of the moat, the moat is actually uh, there are many legends about it, but it they say that the um Fiona and the Fiona were there and it's a burial mound. So who knows if it's ever investigated what's in there. But on from the top of the moat you'll see that it's a great vantage point. You can see right down to the river. And then during the penal times there's an altar in St Mullins graveyard where mass was said which was highly illegal at the time and uh, they would have had a lookout on the moat so if they saw the English soldiers coming everybody would scarper when they were having mass. So tell us about writing the book then. Um, Ross Brook and there's a lovely picture of the the badger on the front. Um, This badger ended up being a pet didn't he? The badger is uh, is key to the book because of Rossbrook meaning the wood of the badgers and uh, I have a great interest in nature and nature conservation. I wanted um, there to be a badger in the book and the badger is the lead in because it starts in the present. Uh, A young girl, she's about 12 years old, Aoife is her name, Aoife O'Connor. She goes to the local school and she's a bit of a rebel and she's a bit wild and she was running around at the back of the school, you know, uh, messing about and she hears this noise and it's a badger and a snare a young badger and she rescues this badger and brings it home and hides it under the garden shed and uh, the badger grows and nobody knows about it um, anyway uh, eventually everybody comes around she's a very wise grandmother and the granny knows that badger's going to grow up now and, and probably make its own way so um, the badger's out one day and uh, she follows it thinking where are you going Brock she calls it uh, where are you going Brock and uh, the badger leads her in through a hole in the wall into St Mullins graveyard. So she thinks, this is great, the badger's getting independent, maybe it has a set in here, and uh, it goes down the steps of a vault, and she follows it, so she goes deep down into the dark. She bangs her head, she passes out, and then when she wakes up, she thinks, oh, blimey, I better go home. She comes back up the steps. Outside, everything's changed. There's no graveyard there's no old monastery buildings. She looks around, there's nothing, only it's grassy hummocks and a few goats and a wooden fence and she doesn't know what's going on. So suddenly this head appears, a young boy, and he, he says, uh, you've, where, where are you going? You've stolen my goat. So, uh, of course, she's feisty and she says, oh, where would I, what would I do with a goat kind of thing? So this is Finn the goat herd. And she suddenly realises he's dressed very strange. Everything is different. So, and she says, where am I? Is this St. Mullins? And he said, what? I don't know that name. But same, if St. Mullins sees you, you'll be in trouble if you've taken my goat. So she realises that she's back in the past somehow. So the story revolves around herself and Finn and what they get up to back in the past. And she meets St. Mullins. St. Mullins at the time, um, he was a hermit and a mystic. Even though he founded the monastery, mm. he had his own little hermitage down by the river. Mm. And he used to ferry people over and back across the river in his curragh. So he did that a lot and he prayed a lot. Finn um, has set himself up as his servant. So um, between Finn and St. Moling, Aoife finds out a lot about the early 7th century. She meets lepers. She uh, she goes across the river. Brilliant. So uh, that's how you She meets the, the wolves. History. The wolves yeah. of Ossery are in it. Yeah, that's how the history comes into it. Yeah. Wonderful. So what kind of a response have you had? It's it's just just out, Mary, is it? It's actually... Neighbours com- and friends? It's coming, out, uh, it's coming out next Tuesday. Um, I, I've been working on it for three years, I'd say, and it's been the last year to six, six months to a year of editing and stuff. So I had five readers. 
because uh, I went to one Irish publisher and it takes eight weeks to get a reply and all the rest of it. Yes. And I approached another one and it wasn't in their remit and they weren't taking nonfiction. So I decided to publish it myself. So to do that, I am, um, you know, it's very hard to have an objective eye. So I had five individual readers, all very different people who all gave me feedback. So I spent about six months in the edit and then, of course, came the design. And I'm not very good at computers. There's a map in it, a very simple map in the beginning of County Carlow in early 7th century Ireland. And it took two whole weeks to get that map right. A uh, shout out to Rory Mann. He was the one who helped me with it, my friend's son. He helped me design it. Brilliant. Um, so it's all my own work. And it's the um, first of a trilogy. Well, yes, uh, I'm putting a little bit of pressure on myself, but there is so much material out there that I've decided there there is enough for three. I've already filled a notebook with what's coming in book two. So I am hoping that there'll be a trilogy. If this takes off and people like it, yeah, if it's popular. Well, tell us, where's the launch? The launch is in Greg. Sorry, the launch is in Greg the Manor Library next Tuesday. Across the river, across the bridge. Across the bridge in Greg the Manor. But, uh, oh yeah, just to say, like there's lots of local places that uh, feature in the book. St Mullins is in it, uh, St Mullins, Tina Hinch is in it. They go up to Oller to where St Fiacre was, saying there's a holy well there. And uh, there's a lovely uh, stone building there, obviously it was later, but there's a carving on both sides, which is supposed to be the head of St Mullins and the head of St Fiacre. It's quite pale now. And there's a one, actually there's a wonderful um, Celtic cross possibly from St Mullins' time below in St Mullins, which is worth people going along to see. Yeah, so Tina Hinch is in it, uh, Greg Naman is in it, Ullard is in it, Caluchternon is in it. And places are mentioned like Rathmelsigi, which was an Anglo-Saxon monastery in Ireland where uh, monks came over from England and they were trained there. And just a few years back, St Willibrode has been rediscovered. That's right, I knew I recognised yeah. that name. Yeah, now, yeah, Willibrode yeah. was a pupil of Egbert, who's mentioned in the book because he was there before and St. Moling would have known him. And they celebrated him big they celebrated time in, him, yeah, in Carlo yeah, yeah. a few years ago. But there was a Synod of Whitby in 660 to decide the time of Easter. And in my research, I found that actually there was a Synod in Old Lachlan to discuss because um, the Irish monks were very independent. Uh, they were hilarious, really. They had these different haircuts than the, the typical tonsure. They had this kind of a Mohican and they shaved the sides of their head and they they weren't always looked favourably on in Rome but yet they couldn't call them savages because they were extremely well educated they knew uh, Latin Greek Old Irish and they were the ones who started writing down all the legends of Ireland and Ireland was unique in that the church the early Christian church didn't try to eradicate pagan tradition and that they wrote down a lot of the uh, sagas they wrote down the sagas as they were to preserve them Well, look, maybe that's the next book. But Mary, fascinating um, stuff. And everybody's invited then to Grignamana Library next... Tuesday the 1st of August. Next Tuesday at what time? It's at half six. Now, we'll have to start fairly sharply because it's the only evening that the library's open and they have to close at eight. Okay. Uh, And I really wanted it to be in the library because they've been been wonderful helping me research. Yeah, Yeah, they've helped me in all my research. Brilliant people. Mary Crow, lovely to meet you. Thank you very much indeed. We'll talk to you again soon. And um, hopefully it'll be in bookshops around the county as well. Yeah, I'm hoping it's in Cairns Books. The two counties. It'll be in Nula Barnes. It's 15 euro, just to mention as well. Nula yeah. Barn will stock it in Greg. I'm looking for stockists, maybe the petrol station in Burris and Cairns in Kilkenny. Okay. okay, super. Thank you, Mary. Best of luck with it. Lovely to meet you. Thank you. KCLR's The Way It Is. 